Forever Dog. Broadcasting from Forever Dog Studios in downtown Hollywood, Los Angeles, California, America. It's the new New Time podcast in the style of old, old-time radio. The Thrilling Adventure Hour. Treasury. The sponsors of today's show are HelloFresh and Everlane. Dateline, the 1920s. A celebrated group of New York's sharpest wits met daily for lunch at the Algonquin Hotel, enjoying barbs and bon mots, until one day... A comet struck, and those present found themselves possessed of powers beyond the ken of mortal men. Powers as dazzling as their already dazzling intellects. And so, Harry Houdini. All stretchy, I can go with my body. Robert Benchley. Fire up. Woodrow Woodpecker Wilson. <laughs> Invisible on. And Dorothy Parker. I'm Rockman. Ferocious Falls. Foes like Bertram Beecher. Talk about stretching. Beecher's new play takes five minutes of story and magically makes it two hours. (laughs) (laughs) As the Algonquin Four, the day began as any other. Five hours after the rest of New York wakes up, our heroes roll out of bed, dress meticulously, and slide into the lobby of the famed 44th Street Hotel. The new Beecher play has all of the heft, but none of the suspense of a phone book. Well played! Very thick phone books. Weird sound! Dorothy Parker trepidatious! Oh, come on now, Dorothy. I'm sure it's nothing. Why, look! Everyone's already seated at the table. Holding court is our Edna Ferber. Honestly, gents, can't we all agree? It's not the heat that gets you. It's the gosh darn humidity. Uncharacteristically banal. Well, Shirley Kaufman has a repost. Say, Edna, do you know the difference between a salad fork and a regular fork? No, George, do tell. As a rule, salad forks are smaller. Right, McKinley's ghost! This is horrific. The great wits of our time reduced to speaking like, like, Presbyterians. What could be causing this? The bad gin? A gas leak? A new Emily Post book? Touche. You got sir. it, she has. Houdini, take Dorothy Parker compact mirror and make a periscope. What am I, a submarine? Not yet. Dorothy's like a clock that's not broken. She's right. This merits further investigation, but as with the latest Beecher play, from a distance. Point taken. Here I go amid the stretching. Their eyeballs, all black. Ferber, black eyeballs. Kaufman, black eyeballs. Alexander Volkart, again with the black eyeballs. Dear God, we might as well be at the automat. Let me snoop around the room and see if I can find the cause. <laughs> Invisible on! Ah, good. I think it's very healthy when Wilson uses his powers. Agreed. Makes him feel useful in his post-presidential malaise. Sometimes I worry about Woodrow. Still here. Oh, drat. Terribly sorry, Wilson. Do carry on. Ah, yes, of course. Always have to listen for the footsteps. All right, Wolcott. You can have lunch with anyone in the world, alive or dead. Who do you pick? Probably my dentist. Given, yes. Sensible choice. He has a house in Paramus. Only verse it's getting. I am wondering where is Wilson. Wilson, are you nearby? Well, apparently he's nowhere. Here I am. Oh, (laughs) Vayas Mir, Wilson. 
Dorothy Parker trepidations! I might have found our culprit, stalwart tablers. Nondescript gentleman. Over at the bar. Oh, I see him. Scruffy chap with the glasses? No. Tall and bald. Not him. Pinsnay? No discernible neck? I said nondescript, and you keep descripting. Indoor scarf? No! The gentleman closest to the water closet, he's really nondescript, and I'm invisible. Either way, he keeps having patrons in the bar. Just like that. Hmm, I see. Allow me to go over and introduce myself. We'll get to the bottom of this, but quick. He doesn't scare me. I made it through a matinee of strange interlude. Oh, Neil! What was he trying oh, to no! say? He's right. Hello, friend. What are you drinking? Can I buy you another? Warm water with lemon. Oh. And no thank you. Well, that sounds remarkable. Alphonse, warm water with lemon. Bensley no drink? But Bensley like his vodka with vodka chaser. The only drink Bensley ever turned down was one. We go in, Lou. We go in, yes! So, new friend, working hard or hardly working? See here, stranger. What have you done to our friend? I've made him friendlier. Finally. Behold, the awesome power of Mr. Mundaniac. Awesome overstates it. Mundaniac. Is it your given name or a nom de villainy? If the latter, I'd pitch Dr. Mundaniac. Or just the Mundaniac. You hear how that sounds? What about the nondescript one? You can go casual. Oh, hey, there's the nondescript one. Or you can go cosmic. The nondescript one. Apt either way. Dorothy Parker like. Oh, sure. Now you pay attention to me. But when I was just restaurant busboy Tom Lesser, nobody cared. You people just sat at your round table judging your surroundings without ever really looking at me. Well, the world is tired of your acerbic wit and word-knowing. We long for a simpler world where clever wasn't important and interesting was criminal. And, and that world begins soonish. Has one. Is one good for everyone? Give us back, round table! Never. Frankpa, already he's shooting from his hands. Dorothy Parker feels strange. Dorothy Parker feel like maybe she was too hard on Winnie the Pooh. Oi, now he's got Parker. Not going so well this is. <laughs> Mondays, right? Oh no, he has me too. Wilson, you're our last hope. Me? No. Impossible. Eventually, fire up! Why would I? The water with lemon is plenty warm. And so it falls to me. History's most forgettable president. Well, next to Chester Arthur. Ooh, the Harrisons. They didn't make much of a mark. See here, you tan bathman of a person. Release my friends from your monotonous spell, or there will be consequences. You don't scare me, unseen president. You're all words, you people. Empty threats and bon mots. There's only ever exclusion and judgment coming from your hallowed round table. Is that what this is about? Feeling excluded? I get that, buddy. We all feel left out sometimes. I've spent my life trying to fix that. What do you think the League of Nations was all about? Uh, asserting American dominance while also appeasing the Germans? Yeah, of course, but also making sure everyone felt heard. Hey, Mr. Mundaniac, 
I think you're interesting and probably witty. You do? Why, sure! Hey, would you like a seat at the table? Me? Well, golly, I'm, I'm just a busboy granted superpowers by an electrical accident. See? That's pretty interesting already. What happened? Don't know. Blacked out. Oh, uh, well, uh, the point is, we all started somewhere. And now, here we are. New York City, the center of the known universe. And this table, it's cultural hub. What do you say? Will you join us? I... I would be honored. Careful what you wish for. What's that? Nothing. Right this way. Oh, and if you would be so kind as to release my friends from your... influence. I guess that's only fair. Huh, I haven't had a good night's sleep like that since the Beecher play. Is this water? I'll have none of it. I know I'm drinking myself to a slow death, but I am in a hurry. Gimlet's all around. Dorothy Parker famished! Roundtable, say hello to our guest, Tom Lesser. Have a seat. So, Lesser, where are you from? Oh, all over. That's so. Yes, sir. All over Hoagland, Indiana. About an hour outside of Fort Wayne. Not as... Not so much a town as it is a census-designated locality. Ah. Uh, what is Endgame here, Wilson? One time my father caught me having a cigarette out by the barn. Know how he punished me? Beat you senseless with a shoe? Then slept with housekeeper? What? Oh, good lord, Parker, you poor, poor child! He made me smoke the whole pack. I see. So, new friend, what do we call you? Tom? Sure, or just lesser is fine. How about Dorothy Parker calls you? Rarely! Well, it is good to be back. I was gone so long, I feel like Calvin Coolidge's relevance. What's that now? I was so deep, you'd have better luck waking up Archduke Ferdinand. But he's dead. You don't miss a step, do you? Well, here you are at the head of the round table. What would you care to discuss? Oh. Well, yes, sure. Things like... We have had some rain lately, haven't we? Is that a book or a play? Pardon me? I read that. Alice is new one, isn't it? We have had some rain lately, haven't we? And other stories? Biting stuff there. Wait, what's that? About suffrage. But then again, all of Alice's are about suffrage, aren't they, Lesser? I... It wasn't Alice's new book. It was Virginia's old one, right, Lesser? Gosh, maybe. Streams of consciousness about the human condition. Drunkenness? Yes, but it made the case against. There's a case against now? What they think of next, Lesser? I'm sorry, I... I'm afraid there's been a misunderstanding. It's not a book, at least not that I know of. Oh, a play then. Who wrote it? Who's in it? Where it runs. And are they married to that awful title? If so, I know a positively ruthless divorce attorney. But you're married. My wife knows a positively ruthless divorce attorney. It's neither a play nor a book as far as I know. It was just an observation. Was it? Yes, darn it. Gosh, what is this table made of anyway, do you guys think? Oak. Oh. Oak. Oak. Some tree. Oh. Some... Some tree. He can't help himself. Everything he touches turned to boring. King might as well stop talking. He's a walking ellipsis. That is insulting. I thought I was welcome here. You are. This is what this is. Isn't it what you wanted? I thought it was. 
Now I'm dizzy in my head from words and ideas and the speed of each. This was a terrible mistake. I've flown too close to the sun. Like a Midwestern Icarus. Or a courageous but foolish pigeon. Thank you for allowing me to sit here, but maybe there's a reason I'm in the kitchen and you guys are out here. I'll be on my way. Not to worry, Lesser. I'm sure you have something to offer. Another round, for starters. I'll go get your server. Actually, Lesser, I have an idea. Go over to Beecher's flat and zap him with your boringizer beams. Perhaps you'll overload him and he'll finally pen a decent play. This is how I can help. After you get our server. Of course. Well, that was ghastly. That was truly the lesser of two lesters. (laughs) 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 And so, another day is saved by Harry Houdini, Robert Benchley, Woodrow Woody Wilson, and Dorothy Parker, the Algonquin Four. And now, a word from one of our sponsors. Hi, I'm Dan Bucatino of the Bucatino Business and the Bucatino Family, which, isn't family important? Yes, is the answer, smart guy. And it's for them who I keep in business, the Bucatino business, both in the roof over their head capacity, as well as if they want to take over the family business if they want capacity. And in order to keep a roof over the head of the business, I'm doing these ads for other things inside of my ads. So if you want office supplies, you know where to go. If you want apparel, let me tell you, you come to the right ad inside of an ad today, my friend. There's a company or something called Everlane, which, here we go. One time, it instructs me to ad-lib, I, Dan Bucatino, purchased a pair of trousers off Everlane. I chose them, they arrived. I put them on. My pal Jimmy goes, nice pants, Dan. They knew? They were new, and they were nice. How's that for a personal anecdote? Enough of one? Swell. Now, what else you gotta know is Everlane uses the finest materials without traditional markups. You like markups? You go elsewhere. You'll find them. Everlane does this thing where they tell you what things cost so you know you're never overpaying. I don't know what that says about labor, but probably I don't want to know. Not in the middle of an ad anyways. But Everlane uses ethical factories, it says here. So maybe I don't gotta watch my step. Because Everlane sells directly to you, their prices are 30 to 50% lower than traditional retailers because like I always say, middlemen are jerks. Everlane's clothes look better, cost less, last longer, and taste better. But Dan Bucatino, what do you mean clothes? You have any examples from off the top of your head? I do. Thanks. Voice in my head. Say you're a woman. Well, I bet you'd like to hear about the Cashmere Crew, which is a shirt, not a gang, or a wrap outfit. The 100% human box cut tee, which is, what is that besides a head scratcher? The silk short sleeve square shirt for if you're a lady who lives inside of a pineapple under the sea. Everlane's timeless essentials are just what you're looking for, provided what you are looking for is not so much frills as quality. And right now, you can check out our personalized collection at everlane.com thrilling. How personalized could it be, Dan Bucatino? The answer is very. Plus, you'll get free shipping on your first order. Is that legal, or did Everlane work out some funny business with the post office? Bet you don't ask, Nosy Parker. Bet you just go scoot over to everlane.com thrilling. That's everlane.com slash snurling in case you only hear things in triplicate. And hey, if you're all done buying clothes and need a place to wear them to, come to Bucatino Business. 
Buy some legal pads, Perry Mason. And at checkout, enter the code THRILLING by saying the word THRILLING when they're ringing you up and you will receive an absolutely free of charge blank stare from Cody or Tabitha who won't got no idea what you're talking about. Don't really do it. But really enjoy the thrilling adventure hour coming back up now for you. Campfire, a source of light and life. It warms and feeds, nourishing its victims before subjecting their spines to stories that will tingle them long after the embers die. Here is one such tale that will surely chill you despite the fire's unyielding heat. <laughs> So this kid was in elementary school, and a new girl moved to his town, to his school, to his class, to his row. She sat right in front of him. The new girl was a regular girl, you know, brownish hair, shirt, but there was one thing about her that was not regular, not regular at all. She had a thin red ribbon around her neck. Velvet? Maybe? This kid took one look at the new girl's neck ribbon and thought, Huh, weird. This kid thought maybe it was to do with the French Revolution. Back then, there were these parties called the Victim's Balls, or whatever that is in French, where the party guests would get these haircuts, like the kind the guillotine people got, which they got these haircuts before being guillotined. They would, the party guests, do a dance where they jerk their head like when the guillotine people got their heads chopped off. And most of all the party guests wore these red ribbons around their necks, symbolizing the chop-off the guillotines did to the people who got guillotined in the guillotines. Big fan of the French Revolution? The kid asked. What? No. Said the new girl. They were about to teach about it at my old school, but I moved. I guess they already taught about it here, so if I want to learn about it, I'll have to do it on my own, which I bet I never get around to. And the new girl was right. She wasn't the type to fill her extracurricular hours with learning about history, but she was the type to always wear this ribbon around her neck. And she was the type to, when she was a grown-up adult, and so was this kid, to, over the years, have fallen in love with him and vice versa. I love you, you know, said the new girl when she was an adult woman. This kid, who was now an adult guy, said, Well, that's fortunate, because I love you too. Now, it's not like the guy didn't ask sometimes about what the deal was with the ribbon. He asked when they were kids. Someday, maybe I'll tell you, she said in a way that was like, Come on, I'll never actually tell you. Anyway, they fell in love many times over the years. One time, in ninth grade, they were each other's first kiss. One time, in 11th grade, they were each other's junior prom dates. And then, one time, in 12th grade, they were each other's senior prom dates. They also dated each other outside of proms. They dated each other and were each other's first a lot of things until they went to different colleges and broke up because that's how that always goes. And also, that's how it always should go. 
They didn't see each other for years, but when they were each in their hometown for Thanksgiving, the fourth most romantic national holiday, they not only ran into each other, they fell back in love eventually. They started by dating. Before long, he fell in love with her. And then, a few days later, she fell in love back with him. The question arose again about the ribbon, because she always wore it and always had, and always would. And on the eve of the rehearsal dinner for their wedding, which, oh yeah, they were getting married to each other, or so they thought, the man asked again. What exactly is the story of that ribbon? Someday, maybe I'll tell you. She said again, like she did every time he asked, which was not so often, but not never. Otherwise, they had complete transparency in their relationship, total trust. They told each other everything, except one thing. That night, the man had a dream. It was the kind of dream that dream scientists classify as a nightmare. In this one, the guy was reading the story, The Telltale Heart, only instead of a heart beating and beating, driving the unnamed narrator of the story mad, it was a throat, a telltale throat that didn't tell a tale so much as suggested one and kept it hidden under a ribbon. In the story, in the dream, that was a nightmare, the unnamed narrator was obsessed with the mystery of this ribbon and overcome by it. He went from a regular unnamed narrator to a sweaty and obsessed one. The guy woke up before his alarm because of how intensely the nightmare nightmared him. He kept thinking about the nightmare all day. He turned the nightmare around in his head like some dough you might need to mix the ingredients and add strength to the final product. The importance of kneading dough lies in the mixing of flour with water. When these two ingredients are combined and kneaded, proteins in the flour expand and form strands of gluten, which gives bread or pasta its texture. When you do this to a memory, you are able to see why the abstract ideas resonate with you in order to bake them into the bread of a conclusion or a pasta of a practical concern. The man had to know about the ribbon, or wanted to, at least. He did the only thing he felt he could do. He asked his fiance again about the ribbon. She could sense from what the guy said that he really wanted to know about it. And she had a dream, too. A nightmare one. An unnamed narrator who did not respect permission pulled the ribbon off from around her neck and then murdered her with a bed. Which is what happened in the Telltale Heart. The unnamed narrator murdered an old man with a bed. Somehow. The suffocation? Maybe? Or did he cause some sort of blunt force trauma that induced a quick hemorrhage? enough to kill an old man for the offense of having a big weird eye. The story did not say, and the dream didn't clarify. Why did they each have the telltale heart on their minds? There are some mysteries that never get solved. But the ribbon mystery is not one of those kinds, because at this point in the story, the ribbon mystery was about to get solved. I can go to a rehearsal dinner without knowing everything about you. I can eat the dinner, no problem. And I can eat the dessert, too. You know I can eat the dessert. But can I go to a wedding with you where we get married to each other without knowing about that ribbon? Of course you can, but you don't have to. 
tonight after the rehearsal dinner, if you're sweet to my mother, who is hard to deal with, I will remove the ribbon so that you don't have to marry someone who is a fractional mystery to you. That night, the guy was sweet to the woman's mother. In truth, he was often delighted by the woman's mother. Like, they got along really well. And honestly, the mother and her daughter also got along well. But sometimes you just don't realize that sort of thing because there's a lot of history there. That's how it was with this woman and her mother. That night, back in the inn. Oh, they were staying at an inn on the property where they were getting married. The inn was like hundreds of years old dark and terrible things that happened there. Things that would make you shudder and fright or scream in terror depending on your sensibilities. Things that happened here happened in other stories besides this one. But in this story, the guy sat in a bed with his fiance, the woman. The bed in which they sat was old and contained stories too. And the story that was happening in this bed at this moment was that the woman lifted two handfuls of fingers to her throat. Ten fingers rose slowly on two hands suspended by little other than two wrists total towards the neck of the woman, towards the ribbon there. The fingers on the hands of the woman slowly untied the ribbon on the neck of her. The guy and the woman had each stopped breathing or blinking or anything. The only thing at all was the small sound of ribbon being pulled off of a neck. And then her head fell off, is what the tattoo underneath the ribbon said. The guy read the words to himself silently, but moving his lips. She turned, the woman, to look at the guy. What would he think? Would he think she was a monster for having delighted in this anticipation of this moment for all of the parts of their lives that mattered? No is the answer. He laughed harder than he knew he could. She laughed too, with him, because of him. If it were possible to get married even more than they were going to have before this, that's what they would have done. They were full up of love and they got as married as anyone ever had and they stayed that way for the rest of their lives. They stayed that way as hell. (laughs) And now, a word from another sponsor. Hi, I'm Dan Bucatino. Bucatino Business, and I'm here to talk to you about a meal kit delivery service called HelloFresh. Now, if you're like me, Dan Bucatino, you got more kids than you can count, and a wife sometimes, and your brother's friend Renee staying with you for some reason. With HelloFresh, the fact that kids are a real pain to feed becomes a thing of the past because of how HelloFresh's family plan recipes are full of things kids like. They test this stuff on kids, so they know. Now, if you're like me and only own one pot sometimes, guess what? There are plenty of one-pot recipes. That means fast cooking. That means minimal cleanup. That means you maybe don't need to mess up a plate, too. Hey, look, being honest, if you're like me, you've been in what experts call a recipe rut. Well, get out of it and start cooking new delicious recipes in each week's box of food there. Get into a rut of exciting new flavors and such. It's hardly a rut anymore at that point. Now, to that point, I want to tell you about a time I... 
Dan Bucatino had a personal experience with the product. It arrived on my doorstep like a baby in a storybook, but instead of being a baby, it was a little box of food there. There was a freezer section to make sure the stuff that needed to be cold was cold. It's crazy, this box. It had a freezer in it. Anyway, they thought of everything. What else they thought of was a hamburger recipe that involved cooking up some red onions and tomatoes into an onion jam that I didn't think I would like at all because in my book, red onions are for salads, and that's it. I'm not a religious man sometimes, but that red onion rule is pretty much as close as I get. Well, guess what? The onion jam was really tasty on them burgers there. You know what else goes down easy? For $60 off, that's $20 off your first three boxes, all you do is you visit HelloFresh.com slash Thrilling60 and enter the code Thrilling60 at checkout. That's $60 off, in case you didn't hear me the first time. $20 off your first three boxes, provided you internet your way over to HelloFresh.com slash Thrilling60 and enter yourself the code Thrilling60 at checkout. That's 60, as it's in the 60th year that Bucatino Business has been in business. And this is how we celebrate. A Russian nesting doll of ads. This has been an honest-to-gosh ad for HelloFresh and the Bucatino business. Use both, but donate anything you buy a Bucatino business as we're an office supply company. Calling all patriots! Calling all patriots! This is liberty, justice, and the American way! Do you copy? Over! Thanks be to FDR! It's time once again for another installment of the astounding adventures of the Bronx Power! If there's one B-17 flying fortress in the 8th Air Force guaranteed to knock the Nazis out of the park and get the Axis powers to chase one out of the zone, it's Home Run Harriet! For the plucky bomber is crewed exclusively by the starting lineup of the 1942 New York Yankees. They thrilled the New York faithful with a combination of power, patience at the plate, and light up pitching. Then, when war broke out, they volunteered to send Hitler back to Berlin with goose eggs across the board. Dateline, Wiltshire, England, the European headquarters of the American Victory Commission. When last we left them, the pinstripe patriots had succeeded in their mission to bomb the U-boat pens at Wilhelmshaven, not without paying a heavy price. Now, grab a bag of peanuts or a box of Cracker Jack and get ready to root, root, root for America's home team because it's the Bronx Bomber in one, two, three strikes. You're dead! Agent Adams, you wanted to see me? Joe, it's good to see you back on your feet. You know no stinking Nazi's gonna put Jolt and Joe DiMaggio in the DL for too long, Agent Adams. That's spunky talk, Captain DiMaggio. And if there's one thing that'll put vinegar in Herr Hitler's coffee, it's spunky talk. Yes, ma'am. If there's another thing that'll put vinegar in his coffee, it's this little mission I've just had sent through from the American Victory Commission. If it isn't a home run, well... Let's just say it's a basis-clearing triple. Now you're talking my language. I know your crew is pretty banged up, but how would you like to tangle with your old pal, Helga Stemt? She's alive? Seems like two things can survive a firestorm that levels Dresden to the ground. Cockroaches and dirty krauts like Helga Stemt, the Third Reich's maddest scientist. Joe DiMaggio don't hit no dames, but after that business in Konigsberg with that gas that made people go blind if they hadn't read Mein Kampf, 
I've got a whole record's worth of chin music with Helga Stemp's name on it. That's what I figured. The intelligence boys picked up some chatter about Stemt and something called Operation Wolfware. Operation Wolfware, huh? Any idea where she is? Where else? Dusseldorf. That bum town. We ought to blow it off the map. Not this time. The AVC wants you on the ground. We need more information on what she's up to, and we can't get that if you blow the place to kingdom come from 20,000 feet. Wheels up in two hours. Two hours? But most of the crew are still on the physio table. Only me and Spud Chandler are fit to start. I mean, Buddy Hassett's having Tommy John surgery and isn't slated to be back before spring training. How are we supposed to get to Dusseldorf without a pilot? We'll be taking care of that. Send him in, please, June. Listen, no offense, but I ain't comfortable with us calling up some rook from AAA for a matchup against Stemped. She's scrappy, with great fundamentals, and knows how to grind out an at-bat. Agent Adam? Ah, Squadron Leader Miles Chisholm. This is Captain Joe DiMaggio of Home Run Harriet, a.k.a. the Bronx Bomber. What gives? A limey? You gotta be kidding me. He ain't gonna fit in with our team. Hmm. The pleasure's all mine, Captain DiMaggio. Squadron Leader Chisholm here is one of His Majesty's Royal Society for the promotion of victory over the Nazis' top agents. Codename? The Batsman. The Batman? No, no, the, the Batsman, with an S. It's a cricketing term. I was a professional cricketer before the war. Off-spinning all-rounder. What does that even mean? You're shining my cleats, pal. I strongly doubt it, but if needs be, I'll shine whatever it takes to put Helga Stemp behind bars. Six feet underground. In a prison for corpses. Well, at least we can agree on that. It's a sticky wicket, all right. We've just got to dig in until tea and try and see off the new wall. Wait, what? You catch any of that? I caught enough. Right now, the Krauts... The Krauts... are running amok. So you two knuckleheads better bury the hatchet. Ideally, in Helga Stumpt. The Batsman is your pilot, Joe. Whether you like it or not, you can brief Spud on the way. Looks like you're stuck with me, chum. No, pal. Looks like you're stuck with me. And the sons of the baseball diamond at cricket pitch iron out their differences in time to apply said iron to the face of national socialism? When we find them again, surveilling Helga Stemp's Nazi factory deep in the heart of Dusseldorf's historic factory district, it seems they've some way to go yet before they're slapping each other's backs in the clubhouse. Hey, Batman, give me a go in those binos. It's Batsman with an S. And actually, it's Batsman, like that. Who even cares? You did your job, bub. You got us here, so why don't you go way back in Home Run Harriet and leave this to the big leaguers? <laughs> you want to watch out, Limey? Looks like Spud packed enough moxie for two. Look, chum. Hitler scored a double ton, and now he's declared and forced us to bat the final session after tea. So if we're going to send him back to the pavilion with his tail between his legs, we have to work together. Huh? Is that cricket talk? Speak English, pal, and cough up the binos. Get your own binoculars. Get a load! Binoculars! What's wrong with shortening the word the binos like a regular stiff, your lordship? This dope's Bush League. Right, Jolton Joe? A dead arm if ever I saw one. If either of you are interested, there seems to be a window up on the north wall of the factory that isn't covered by any of the searchlights or machine gun towers. Let me see that. Huh. No messing. What do you say, Spud? You got a grapple up there? Uh, are you kidding? If I can paint the corners on a 3-2 count and send Ted Williams down looking, reckon I can throw a big old hook through a windy. Hold on. 
Are you sure this is a good idea? Boy, it looks as though he'd blow away in a strong wind. Don't be fooled. He's only 5'2", but he's got great stuff. The kid is lights out. His whip is under 500. Great heater and wicked changer. I'm sorry, what? What'd I tell you? Nice job, Spud. Right over the heart of the plate. I could go all night. Well played, Spud. Yeah, thanks, your majesty. Come on. Time to find out what this Operation Wolfweir is all about. All right, Stemped. What's the play in here? Whoa! Babe Ruth's fat ghost! Look at all them pooches! So many cages! My god, there must be thousands of dogs in here! Tens of thousands to be precise, haired batsmen. Stemped. I am surprised to see you fail for the old there's one window up on the north wall of the factory that isn't covered by any of the searchlights or machine gun towers trick. Trick plays are for bums and steers. Not so fast, Herr Jolton Joe. You may have hit safely in 56 straight Major League games, but you won't hit me safely. I can assure you of that. You lousy, no good kraut. I order... Ah, 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 young spud. You don't want to wind up getting traded to the mortuary, do you? You know, you really shouldn't keep cocking your gun like that, Stemt. It's bad for the hammer. Silence! Feldweber Stenzel, take their weapons. Jawohl, Frau Doctor. Hey, watch it. I want a receipt for that. What are you doing with all these dogs, you Nazi no-goodnik? If I know Nazis, it's something bad. Real bad. Bad? For them? No, indeed. I am giving them a gift. The greatest gift of all. The chance to serve the glorious thousand-year Reich. I know things have gotten pretty bad in Germany, but you're not planning on feeding these dogs to your stormtroopers, are you? What? No. Oh, my God. No. The Fuhrer loves dogs. Blonda is his pride and joy. He made her the official Reichsund merely a fortnight ago. The bum is one ball short of a full count. Silence. There will be no further discussion of the Fjord's canine companions. Come, I think it is time you realize the full magnitude of my work here. And so, our plucky heroes are led deeper into the bowels of Helga Stemp's pestilent Prussian pooch panopticon. What is this machine, Stempt? This? Why, it's just my little wolf there machine. Speak English, lady. I am speaking English, which is actually quite a courtesy I am extending. We are in Germany. Do you speak any German? No. Any of you? No? Unbelievable. Okay, so may I continue, please? You're welcome here. Yeah, yeah. Please. Uh-huh. The secret weapon, which will ensure that the Third Reich is the best Reich of all. This machine uses lunar technologies, a soup song of dark and eldritch magics, and a hefty dose of good old-fashioned hard work to produce an inexhaustible supply of manpower for the Fuhrer's armies. How'd you work that one out? Between us and the Reds, your recruiting pool is emptier than the bleachers at Comiskey Park in a midweek day game. Perhaps it's best if I show you. Feldweber Stenzel! Bring me a good German dog. That fellow there with the floppy ears and the tongue most large and goofy. Jawohl, Frau Doctor. <laughs> oh, he's a fluffy little rascal. Oh, he may be a kraut hound, but I'd sure like to tickle his tum-tum. Now that's a dog I could pour all my repressed English emotions into. Now, Stinsel, place him into the machine. 
What? Hey, you leave him alone. Stay back, Jolton Joe, or I'll give you one high and inside. And this is one pitch you don't want to get hit by. Throw the lever! You're old, Frau Doctor. My machine uses reverse werewolf technology to turn mere dogs into Aryan supermen. Soon every dog in the Reich will be pressed into service. Ich bin ein good boy. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. It's diabolical. It is inevitable. Especially with the crew of the Bronx Bomber and the Batman safely disposed of. <laughs> I wish to go for ein Walkies. And so you shall, my sweetling. And walk is all the way to Washington, D.C. You won't get away with this, Stemt. Before this night is through, you'll get a Yorker that knocks your off stump flying faster than you can say Harold Lauer. What? What? What is he saying? Beats me. No idea. Yeah, it makes no sense. Okay, now then, my big, special, brave new soldier. Do you wish to bury a bone in the garden? Yeah, 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 das ist ein good time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very well. Then bury the bones of the verdammt Bronx Bomberman and Herd Batman. Jawohl! Farewell, gentlemen. I'm afraid it is the end of the innings for all of you. Things are looking hairy for Joe, Spud, and the Batsman, and not just because their captor was until only moments ago a furry dog. Behind the factory, the cursed canine has the crew covered. Uh, uh, that is far enough. I will do ein digging. Yeah, yeah, to dig is good. To dig is make happy. Yeah, yeah. I don't think this guy has got a full outfield, if you see what I mean. He certainly yeah. retained a lot of dog-like qualities. Can't tell if yeah, he's going to yeah. lick my face or shoot me. Hmm. Say, Spud, you got your lucky ball with you? Sure, Joe. Yeah. Never go nowhere without it. I, I threw a no-hitter against the Braves with it. Oh, that's good. Here it is, Joe. I'll toss it to you. Whoa! Look out. It's going to fall down that sewer grate. Damn my butterfingers. Grab it, Joe. I can't catch it. Not even Stan Musial could track that down. Hot dog. Batsman, what a cat. Gee, Batsman, you laid right out to make a bare hand grab. No mitt or nothing. Oh, we don't use mitts in cricket. Uh, not unless you're the wiki. I don't know what that is, but you just saved the ball game. Heck, the whole season. You know what, Batsman? You're all right. Now, Spud, let's see if this dog is still likes balls. <laughs> hey, as long as he likes strikes, too, capiche? Hey, Fritz, stop digging, bad boy. Dirty yeah. boy, on your rug, in your yeah. bed. Yeah. What is loss? Yeah, yeah. Hey, you like... Bolly? Huh? You want Bolly? Oh, yeah, yeah, like ball. Get Bolly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get the ball. Get the ball. Now, Spud. Here comes one right down Broadway. Here! I'm Bolly! Yeah, 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 That was some quick thinking, Joe. Now, come on, everyone. Back to home run Harriet. Let's flatten this place with 50,000 pounds of bombs from 20,000 feet and go home. We can't. What do you mean? All those doggies. They didn't ask for none of this. Of course, but we have to destroy the wolfware machine. What can we do? We got one bomb delivery system that don't need to take out the whole factory. Oh? 42 inches of prime Kentucky hickory. Your baseball bat that you've been carrying this whole time. We didn't ask for the rhubarb, but when some bum plunks your star pitcher, it's time to clear the benches and show Helga Stemt how we do it in the Bronx. 
And so, back at the wolfware machine. Hey, stamped. Dimaggio? But how? What are you doing now? What's he pointing at? Oh, he's calling his shot. He's going to rope that wolfware machine into left field like a three-run jack. Stop that at once. That's it, Joe. Pour it on. Marvelous stroke, Joe. God, Stenzel, kill them. Keep it up, Joe. What do you say, Spud? Teammates? Teammates. Now let's give these crowd rats some rhubarb. Your machine, nine. The Bronx Bomber, ten. See you around, stemped. <laughs> Once again, good boys and girls across the world can sleep safe at night and study hard for their tests, secure in the knowledge that sweet Lady Liberty will always be protected by the 1942 New York Yankees. Better known as the crew of the Bronze Mower! That's all for today's episode of the Thrilling Adventure Hour, Treasury. The Algonquin Four The Postmortem was written by John Ross Bowie and starred Annie Savage, Josh Molina, Eric Bowser, Mark Gagliardi. John Ross Bowie, Hal Loveland, and Tawny Newsom. The Ribbon was written by Ben Acker and starred Annie Savage, Hal Loveland, and Tawny Newsom. The Bronx Bomber, One, Two, Three Strikes, You're Dead, was written by Humphrey Carr and starred Josh Molina, Tawny Newsom, John Ross Bowie, Annie Savage, Humphrey Carr, Hal Loveland, and Mark Gagliardi. The Thrilling Adventure Hour Treasury is a production of the Forever Dog Podcast Network. Produced and engineered by Brett Boehm, Joe Celio, and Alex Ramsey. It's Alice. And I'm Veronica from From Trex in the City. City. We are two women who are nerds and we love Star Trek and love talking about it. That's right. But we're not exclusive like that. No, we're not those kind of fans. We're cool ones. Like chill. Sexy, young, and also old. Trex and the City. The city part means we talk about anything. (laughs) Which is our right, to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah. I just need you to understand that... We have great guests. We have the dumbest bits. And songs. Sometimes. And we talk about Deanna Troy in a way that she has deserved for her whole career. Fully underdeveloped character. So come on over to Treks in the City. Only on the Forever Dog Podcast Network. New episodes out every Monday. Woo! Woo!